You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com To the fourth hour of the Alex Jones Show, I'm your guest host Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. You know, we were talking uh, last week about the Luciferian initiation that we read about in a lot of the globalist texts, especially the psychonauts. And I talked about the doors of perception from Huxley, and there's a, an amazing essay uh, that was att- appended to this book that uh, I read last night, and it's about his take on drugs and the drug war and all of that, and what the possibilities would be for the usage of drugs in this so-called drug war, and how drugs would actually be the future for controlling society. So at the same time as on the one hand admitting that Brave New World is a discussion of a dystopia where everyone's controlled by drugs, he also says, amazingly, that this drug society would also be freed up and it would be the new type of religion based around mystical direct experience through drugs. So which is it? Is, is it a dystopia or is it a freeing society based around libertarian uh, do what thou wilt? But the irony here is, of course, that all of the psychonauts had the same methodology. And so after reading Doors of Perception, I went ahead and read his other text called Heaven and Hell, which is the second half of this book here, Doors of Perception. So I want to talk about some of the other psychonauts because he actually lists many of them. He mentions Dr. John C. Lilly, the dolphin creeper. He mentions um, the other MKUltra doctors. And he doesn't say, oh, this is a, you know, a big conspiracy to change society. Others of them actually do, though. He says it's not a conspiracy to change society. It's a way to make everything better. It's a way to give everybody freedom, to give everybody the holiday that they actually want, which is from their own lives and from reality. But if we go back to the 1960s, there's clips of even on YouTube of Dr. Timothy Leary openly saying, as he sits underneath the banner of an Aleister Crowley a poster of Christ with 666 above Christ's head. Timothy Leary saying that he worships and follows and continues the work of Aleister Crowley, the beast. He says, I'm continuing this work. And he says, if you want to thank anybody for the 1960s counterculture revolution, he says, you may look no further than the CIA, who he was working for. 
Other books like Jay Stevens' book, Storming Heaven, talk about the history of utilizing drug warfare as a means of controlling society. And even though many of these 60s counterculture people thought they were initiating a new society that would be based around more libertarian freedoms and whatnot, it actually was giving way to and, and steering us towards a brave new world scenario uh, of total control. And so you, you might think, well, is there some connection between, yeah, that's the clip right there. There's other clips where he says the same thing. But what about brain chips? What about transhumanism? What about the connection between MKUltra and the 1960s counterculture? Well, according to Huxley, it's all there. In fact, in his essay, at the end of this book, I'm not talking about heaven and hell, there's another essay called The Drugs That Shape Men's Minds. He says that you know the more that we study drugs, the more we, will, we were able to understand the psychochemical makeup of mankind. And of course, again, he always layers it and, and, and masks it in this cloak of giving mankind freedom. But he starts by saying that if you look at drugs, actually drugs, drug studies showed us that you can be born as an addict. And maybe addiction, he says, maybe addiction is genetic. And he starts talking about many of these things are actually genetic problems. And why does that matter? Well, if you look at his brother's uh, writings, for example, uh, books on uh, revolutionary philosophy that Julian wrote, uh, Julian's book on the philosophy of UNESCO, you notice that um, they see man as a completely biologically determined entity. And so if man's a biologically determined entity, uh, if he's only made up of chemical reactions, then it stands to reason the way you would treat people would be through other chemicals. So if man is a psychochemical being, we're going to steer him and control him through external stimuli and psychochemical, psychophysical means. And that's something that pretty much all of the MKUltra doctors held in common. Now, Huxley is a bit of an outlier on this specific point because he thinks that man isn't uh, solely a, a physical being. He doesn't exactly know how to explain it or what's going on with the spiritual realm, but he does say that when people engage in uh, various drug trips and uh, masculine DMT, all these kinds of things, he says that it is tapping into other dimensions and other regions that areas of the brain somehow function as gateways to. That's his view. So I think that's weird and whatever. That's his view. That's what he thinks. That was part of the point of the essay of heaven and hell. But whether you believe in a spiritual realm or not, the people who he's working with, his compatriots, the other people involved in the MKUltra project, and I think that as we read this essay, we actually find out that uh, he's absolutely 100% uh, tied up and involved in MKUltra. He's just in the British version of it, which preceded the American version of it. And he says that one of the things that comes out of a lot of these mystical experiences is the idea that we are all one. Monism, the idea that, oh, we're all one, dude. Is that the case, though? Are we all one? Well, in a lot of these philosophies and these uh, world religions where you have the idea that everybody and everything is ultimately only one, there's this idea that we got to get rid of all of the things that make us distinct. And so that's actually a very useful philosophy for the global power structure, because if everything is one, it gives them a, a basis to say that we got to erase and destroy all of your unique identifying attributes, cultures, heritage, etc. Everything must be blended into the global blob. And believe it or not, Aldous Huxley wrote another book called The Perennial Philosophy, where he argues that the future world religion that's emerging that will come about will be a generic 
syncretic blending of all the religions into a monistic blob. All is one, because when the religious mystics, when they have their mystical experiences, well, they all realize that we're all one, man. And he says that we could look to the ancient religious sects like the Bacchanalian sect, the Greeks who worshiped Dionysius and Bacchus, because they felt that through wine or through imbibing alcohol, they would immediately tap into some sort of mystical unity with the one. And he goes on to say that societies that give in to chemical dependency end up controlled. And he mentions the history of opium and the history of uh, you know British Empire's opium war, this kind of stuff. He, he goes into this in some detail. And you, be, you begin to see that this is not just an essay about mystical experience and liberation through drug experience. It's actually a, an essay on the sociological control mechanism behind drugs. And that the power structure has known this for a long time. And you remember last week I talked about uh, endorse of perception. Uh, he said a lot of this, uh, similar things. He talked about the connection between drugs and society and how when he wrote Brave New World, that was really what he was thinking about was uh, you know, preparing for and, and, and sketching out the future dystopia control mechanism. But I'm trying to explain to you that this just comes out of the older British model of imperial warfare, not just through gun, bun, uh, guns and bombs and, and whatnot, but also through cultural warfare, through drug warfare. Don't go anywhere. This is the Alex Jones Show. Your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. Your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. We're talking about the control of society through cultural warfare, which doesn't begin with the 1960s or even the 50s. It goes back to the drug war. And I don't mean the drug war of the Reagan era and the DARE program. I'm talking about the British Empire and their strategy of making uh, a lot of money and exercising a lot of cultural influence and control through a sale of opium. And when we look at the history of pharmacology, we see that, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing this because I want, I'm emphasizing this because I want you to understand that the idea of culture warfare, which is a huge part of what we're experiencing today, what we're undergoing, uh, you can see that this is old. It's not new. A lot of people are still, they, they can't understand the idea that culture is created and steered. They think that it's just purely organic thing. And I'm trying to explain to you that if you can understand that through the history of drug warfare, that that's a huge part of culture war, you can begin to see that our society is really controlled. Our society is a top-down um, dystopia that kind of already exists. And in Huxley's scenario, he's describing the future religion, the future society in an essay that's not part of Brave New World. And he's not saying that that this is going to be uh, you know, some, some top-down thing, but it will be introduced. That's where it starts getting wilder and wilder in this essay. It says that there, there will be future drug laws against certain drugs, but there will be the proliferation of other drugs precisely for social control. And he even goes on to say that psychiatry is engaged right now. He's writing this back in the 50s, I think, was when he wrote this essay. In uh, perfecting uh, pharmacological means for creating new drugs and new synthetic uh, ways of escapism. So that eventually there can be the release of this on society 
to the extent that chemical restraint will be able for uh, will will uh, enable the dictatorships of tomorrow to actually deprive men of their freedom who will willingly give it away in exchange for a chemical synthetic form of happiness all of this he says will be chemically induced and thus man's achievements may turn out to be incom- incompatible in terms of liberty and freedom and, and economic none, none of that will compare to the pleasures that he will get from future drugs and future synthetic control mechanisms. And uh, what I'm getting at here is that he's not talking about street drugs. I mean, obviously there, there are street drugs, but in my view, yes, fentanyl and all that is, a, is totally a, a ridiculous, absurd crisis that's engineered and, and so forth. But I'm talking about big pharma. That's the real drug dealers. And they're at the top of the pyramid. And the big pharmaceutical companies who were uh, intently involved in the last three years of billions of dollars of profit and controlling of society on on an unbelievable scale in the last three years of nonsense, that's what he's talking about. He's saying that you're going to be under a medical pharmaceutical dictatorship of the future, not a jackboot dictatorship. Now, I mean, in some places it turned out to be that, like Australia. But who was really calling the shots? It wasn't really Fauci. It was the international oligarchical elite that run these corporations. That's who's calling the shots. And that is who was really in the background of MKUltra and all of this widespread research. Yes, there's government elements to it, but it's a it's flip sides of the same coin, coin right? The, the big pharmaceutical companies, the big corporations, they're in a revolving door scenario with the people who go to the CDC, who go to the, uh, you know, all the government agencies. They're the same people, and so it might as well be uh, a government owned by these people. And so the, these people, these pharmaceutical companies, as I'm trying to say, they, these are the ones that were studying MKUltra. Yes, again, there was army military research, but that's not who's really calling the shots. It's these companies. And they were the ones studying intently the effects of peyote, the effects of LSD, and all of its derivatives back in the 1950s and 60s. And they weren't studying it because they were interested in human liberation. They were studying it because they wanted, yes, to synthesize it, have synthetic versions of all these things for human control, sure. But it's ultimately about social control. MKUltra was not about primarily creating super soldiers, not about assassins. It's about social control on a mass scale. And a big part of that is not just the drug culture. It's the toxic pop culture. Those two things go together because they come out of the same labs, so to speak. He goes on to mention that In his day, it was being intently studied, the ascetic practices of various mystics of different religions, fakirs of India, and their bodily punishments and whatnot that would lead to altered states of consciousness. He mentions John C. Lilly, the float tanks, all this kind of stuff. He says that ultimately, uh, all of this is being combined into a future offering that will be given to the population, to the public to control them and make them happy. He says, these, all of these things will soon be on the market. How did he know that? How did he know that all of these 
high-level drugs would soon be on the market. And in my view, this is a big part of why so many people in society are going nuts. There's the, the toxic culture, the brainwashing in the schools, the terrible food and diet, the stabbies. But there's also countless people on countless pharmaceutical drugs bombing their minds on a daily basis. And they have been for decades, because if you remember back in the 90s when they really started pushing, for example, the SSRIs, the uh, pharmaceutical answers to you having uh, a bad day. Oh, it's unnatural, it's abnormal. You've been diagnosed with a genetic predisposition to depression. And so it's a chemical imbalance, all based around the idea that just throwing chemicals at a problem solves the problem because man is just chemical reactions anyway, right? But ironically, Huxley's basically saying that you understand what's been rolled out as a control mechanism. And uh, we just watched Apocalypto the other day. Remember the the Mel Gibson movie, great movie. Uh, and you know, when you get to the uh, the last, you know, the third of the movie, the the climax of the film, when they get to the uh, temples there, the ziggurats, the Mayan Empire, you'll notice that. The the society is based around uh, even this drug experience. It's not really highlighted in the movie, but they were really into those hallucinogenic drugs, you know, in the Mayan, Inc., and all, all those kinds of Latin South America, Central America uh, civilizations. And in my view, that's that's kind of how they thought they were tapping into these other worlds and the shaman and the, the high priest and these people. And they were being told, oh, we have to require human sacrifice. I'm not saying that everybody that does hallucinogens is going to require human sacrifice or be initiated into a Mayan cult. I'm just saying that that's a feature of that religion, those religions and those cultures. And they did start requiring it and, and asking for human sacrifice on a mass scale as part of social control. They weren't just mad people out of their minds. They were, but they were also very interested in social control. And in that movie, they know that the eclipse is coming. And so they dupe the population who doesn't know calendars and dates, and they don't know that it's an eclipse. And so they've fooled the population into thinking that they can uh, kill and resurrect the sun, right? The high priest and the emperor. Don't go anywhere. This is the Alex Jones Show. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Nyer of Jay's Analysis. We are going through the plans and the machinations of the oligarchs and their discussions. Very open, by the way, hidden in plain sight of what they plan to do with a lot of the technological means uh, as well as the drug means of controlling society and erecting the Brave New World scenario. And uh, we had, I had found this sort of obscure essay from Huxley covering how drugs affect men's minds. And he ends this essay uh, by talking about a future world religion. And it just made me think about what I'd watched in Apocalypto, the, the excellent Mel Gibson film, where you had the high priest and the, the emperor there uh, engaged in the human sacrifice and that they had duped all the people because they knew about the calendar and the eclipse that was coming. And the people thought, oh, well, I guess he was able to resurrect the sun. And I was pointing out that when uh, the Gordon Wasson and these different figures who were actually bankers went and studied the um, cultures in Latin South America, Central America to understand the mushroom, to understand the ergot and all that, to synthesize and create LSD, which is what eventually happened. Did you know, that actually came from a banker. Uh, he was part of the, uh, the Macy Foundation, uh, this figure of Gordon Wasson and his wife. 
and they figured out how to synthesize LSD, and then it was later uh, Sandoz Pharmaceuticals and you know the CIA and all that. They were they were definitely involved in this, but you begin to see the the interlinking of you know these organizations, government entities, as well as these giant pharmaceutical uh, uh, companies. And Huxley says that you know one of the reasons that these societies were studied was the amazing amount of control that could be had when you take something like the drug trip and you turn it into a social control mechanism, right? And that's what he's describing in this essay. He's saying that we will even get the churches on board. Now, this didn't really happen. The churches didn't really hop on board with psychedelics. Maybe some churches did, but he says that maybe we could try to get the churches involved in this. And he says, and if the churches don't go along with the counterculture that's coming, by the way, how do you know that the, the drug counterculture was coming? How did he know in the 50s that the 60s counterculture revolution was coming if it wasn't an uh, if it was an organic revolution it wasn't organic it was steered by Esalen institute by these foundations by the pharmaceutical companies changing images of man white papers written about using counterculture using alternative lifestyles to steer society that is why all of this is out in the public now all of the trans agenda all of the vegan agenda do you understand this all comes out of think tanks? It's not just random liberals organically deciding to come up with stuff. It's not just random professors. All of this comes out of Tavistock, think tanks, RAND, MIT. They come up with this and they push it in society, just like they pushed the last three years of stuff. It was war game for decades with all these different event scenarios. Plate X, 201, Crimson Contagion, on and on and on, lockstep. Well, in the same way, the same countless think tanks, NGOs, foundations, war game and roll out new religions, new ideological movements, new scenarios to steer society. And the 60s counterculture was crucial for where we are now. Do you think you could have the rainbow revolution and the trans revolution without the 60s counterculture? No, of course not. So, but it comes in phases. And it's just the latest instantiation of revolution. And that's, by the way, one of the elements that Huxley got right that George Orwell did not get right, which is the intense sexual element of the dystopia. The clown world dystopia is a rainbow dystopia. It's not just a dystopia of a Stalin-esque, you know, top-down dictatorship. It's the pleasure-based model of pharmacological and sexicological control. I made up that word. And so Huxley says that if we don't get this world religion, uh, it's eventually going to emerge on its own. It will be a new world religion that emerges out of the uh, spiritual experience of the beyond through people taking drugs and rejecting institutional churches and religions. And of course, the oligarchs have captured the, most of the institutional churches anyway. So they're captured institutions. So it, you can see how they sort of game it both ways. Well, that the religious institutions are captured and they're turned into essentially just liberal NGOs and uh, forms of soft power. That's what most of the churches are. And then now people will turn to alternative religions an alternative religious experience, and those are also promoted by the exact same oligarchs. 
That's what Leary is saying in these essays. And again, he says that this will come. You will have this rolled out. How does he know? Is he a prophet? No, he's part of this inner structure, part of these people who know what they're rolling out and they talk about worshiping and serving Lucifer. Now, some of them think that's a symbolic thing. They don't think any, that there's some real spirit. They just see it as a Promethean symbol to emulate, to be like the rebel angel. They see it as something to model yourself as, as a kind of um, rebel against even nature itself, right? To transcend humanity, transcending the limitations of nature and the created order. And so we get people like Dr. John C. Lilly, who begins to have uh, fixations for dolphins. And he gives them LSD and give, it puts uh, brain chips in the dolphins. I mean, it's just mad science people, okay? But they also typically talk about interacting with the entities on the other side. Both Huxley and John C. Lilly talk about on their intense drug trips, getting information and getting interaction with entities. The clockwork elves of Terence McKenna, talking to beings, having conferences with these entities. If you watch the movie Altered States with William Hurt, right? It's exact, exactly what's in that film. And so you have these figures continuing on this research from the time of Huxley on until now, and even still to this day, MIT, Berkeley, various universities doing the same types of research with very powerful hallucinogenic drugs to try to tap into the other side. But here's the question that's never asked. How do we know that the entities are good entities? It's just the assumption is that, well, it's a spiritual experience. It must be good. Well, maybe they're lying, deceptive spiritual experiences. Maybe the entities that are telling you to have a world government and to kill everybody, maybe they're bad guys. So, did you ever think about that? Maybe they're demons. Oh, it's crazy. You're a fundamentalist. Well, I mean, you're sitting here telling me that entities are telling you to kill everybody. Sounds like a demon to me. I mean, why do they always have the same message? They always say, erect the world government, cut down the population. That's exactly what all these people say. So maybe these people are inspired by a malevolent force. Well, how come nobody considers that option? Seems pretty no-brainer to me. But I guess if you don't have any discernment, you wouldn't be able to see that. Your discernment is gone, lost. In fact, uh, in McKenna's books, for example, who's continuing on this tradition in his uh, Food of the Gods, he says, I'm continuing the work of Timothy Leary and all of these people, and I want to bring a shamanic initiation. And that's exactly what Leary talks about at the end of his essay, Drugs in the Mind. He says that we're bringing about an, a shamanic initiation for the masses. But I don't think he's interested in a real flourishing of uh, you know human experience and freedom. He's actually talking about fitting into the Brave New World scenario. And it's nothing new because the same oligarchs running this now are the same oligarchs 100 years ago, 150 years ago, that were running drug lanes as described by Professor Anthony Sutton in his classic book, America's Secret Establishment, Order of Skull and Bones. The origin of the OSS and the CIA comes out of what? Skull and Bones. And what, what do these families do? How do they make their money? Oh, well, they were just really hardworking individuals who were very moral and pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. No, 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 they ran drugs. <laughs> Did you not know that? 
Uh, you thought they just started Walmart and did all these things because they're good business people and they're very moral. No, they're evil. And they take you to be dupes, you see. You, the middle class, are the dupes. Don't go anywhere. This is The Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. Welcome back to The Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. We're talking about uh, pharmacological means of control. And I want to remind you, if you head on over to my Twitter right now, I'll just type in Jay Dyer on Twitter, and you'll see me. I'll pop up. Uh, there's live events. I want you to come to my live events. We'll be in Los Angeles live. July the 6th, and if you go to my Twitter, you'll see it there up there at the top. There is the, uh, there's the event right there. We'll be live with some, uh, some famous people. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a five-hour event, so our events are not like most people's events. We did an event uh, a few weeks ago, or actually a month or two ago when I was in Austin uh, down there with Alex when we did a few in-studio interviews with Alex. I got a lot of traction. It was a lot of fun. We also did a live event. Yeah, there's my uh, Tucker special. If you didn't see the Tucker special, that's actually in Austin where I'm running around getting the Austinites to eat bugs there. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully I didn't get Tucker fired. I'm sorry if I did. My bad, guys. Oops, my bad. It might have been the Klaus. Klaus made a few phone calls. Get rid of the Tucker. This was the final straw. I want him gone. So my, uh, my Klaus skit might have been the the end of Tucker. Sorry about that. My bad, everybody. Um, also, live event, uh, Nashville will be live in Nashville at a big event. Owen Schroyer, you might have heard of him. You guys heard of him? You know who he is. June 3rd and 4th. If you go to my Twitter, you'll also see that uh, a, a few down. That is the Rebels for Cause event. So there's that event. And then there's also this event with uh, Owen and a host of people. Uh, over in Nashville, Mel Kay, Ryan Christine, Scott Armstrong, uh, Matt Baker will be there. Tons and tons of people, a two-day event. So go get your tickets to that Rebels for Cause event uh, outside Nashville, June 3rd and 4th. Uh, so get those tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's it. Uh, should be a, a big, big event. Again, Owen will be there as well as a bunch of other really cool based red pill people. So we're talking about the drug lanes, drug networks, America's secret establishment, this classic text from uh, Professor Anthony Sutton. And we've been covering a lot of Anthony Sutton books lately. I stumbled upon one that I didn't know about, which he wrote with Patrick Wood. I know Alex has had Patrick Wood on many times, but this is actually written in the 70s. And so I'm really enjoying this text. And it relates to all this, too, because we start to see that it's really the same power structure that's kind of been there, this oligarchy that's been there for a long time, particularly the last 100 years or so in America, right? the American oligarchical power structure, which is the same power structure described by a lot of the elite techs, Dr. Carol Quigley and others. And I want to remind you guys, too, that, that uh, I've lectured through 60-ish of these texts, and I've got more. I got more in the mail. Good news. Just got this classic. So years before Edward Bernays wrote Propaganda, Walter Lippmann wrote Public Opinion. So we'll be covering this one in the next few weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I've enjoyed reading all these other Hex, uh, Huxley books, Huxter books, Aldous Huxter books, Aldous Huxley that I'd never read before uh, because there's a lot of insights. Right? Everybody knows about kind of the famous books of Orwell or Huxley, but turns out that a lot of times they have these other lesser known books and essays and writings that give you a lot of nuggets, a lot of gems, a lot of insights into what else they were up to and what was really going on. And I was mentioning, you know, covering uh, 
John C. Lilly's books, covering uh, Terrence McKenna's books, the psychonauts. The psychonauts are really important because although they weren't necessarily running the whole New World Order, they were really the visionaries that were playing out and planning out and experimenting with future means of control. And one of those visionaries far prior to Huxley or Andy's Killy or Andy's Killers, Wells, as we said, and H.G. Wells was talking about the future world religion in the 1890s. He wrote a book, God, the Invisible King, where he said that the future world religion will be a new age kind of uh, Luciferian religion. And in my view, the British imperial superstructure, the, that inner core, the shadow government of the British Empire, uh, the Milner Fabian circles, they were actually running and controlling the Theosophy Society. And so Theosophy, with its promotion of Bolshevism, its promotion of Soviet and communist government, that was being foisted by the Milner Fabian Society. And I, I think that Madame Blavatsky, one of these kind of, uh, you know, predecessors to the new age, you know, almost 70, 80 years before the new age movement actually becomes a, a full on thing in the 1960s. This was being planned out by the uh, Fabian Socialists and the Tavistock Institute. And so we again, we've covered this book, this 500 page classic text on the history of that conspiracy, which is a real geopolitical power structure. It is the Anglo-American establishment. That's who we're talking about here. That's the same as this. They're the same. So you're saying these are not conspiracy books. These are actual historians and professors. And this this was also written by Professor Anthony Sutton as well, explaining this power structure in detail. And Huxley is really just one of these figures that is an arm of this, this power structure, one of these people in these circles. And so his writings are crucial, instrumental to understanding how this control structure works and how it rolls these things out over time. And so, uh, you know, when we cover Brave New World in depth, we saw that he wasn't just writing something that was a uh, a theory or, or a fiction. It was a plan that would be rolled out. And uh, I want to say, too, that uh, if you want a deeper analysis of that, I will be covering that in detail uh, this uh, this week on my channel, uh, on my, my members section. We're going to be covering Heaven and Hell, the essay. That's the second half of this book, The Doors of Perception. Uh, we'll be doing that tonight. But uh, the psychonauts are crucial. The psychonauts are a big part of this. I hope you understand that. But ultimately, all of this is about total control. So it's not a bunch of different conspiracies. There's only one conspiracy and it's really just world domination and world power that's it and a big part of that as we said is is more than just culture it's energy control energy control via you know the bringing in of the technocracy energy control via banning cars banning stoves energy control via controlling you because you are a being that uses energy and so controlling population is not just controlling the numbers of the population, it's controlling you on a day-to-day -day constant basis. The 15-minute cities, the ESG regulations and control mechanisms. I noticed I was looking at plane tickets the other day, and now there's these alerts about which airlines have more CO2 emissions. This is ridiculous. This is all control and social engineering. Nothing to do with the environment. 100% totally to control you. And that's what banning meat is. The vegan movement is part of this. The Wildlands Project, the UN Biodiversity Project. Now you can begin to see why, and anti-family movements, you see. Now you can begin to see why antinatalism, 
this actually fits in with that apocalypto human sacrifice religion. They've just taken the human sacrifice religion of the Mayans via apocalypto, turned that into a new earth religion and a new world religion based around worshiping the earth, which by the way, there was articles in the news last week about this. Earth Time Magazine, Earth Day needs to be a new religious holiday for the world. And that's about Agenda 21. Go back to the Bush-Rio Treaty, Agenda 2030, etc. All of this is the same agenda, the austerity agenda, the IMF austerity agenda. It's this, it's the same stuff, you understand? And so the drug uh, culture contributes to the social revolution because they, they think as the, they think they're the tip of the spear, as Jacques Attali calls them uh, in his book, uh, Brief History of the Future. They think they're the tip of the sphere for making a better society when they're actually the tip of the sphere for the final revolution of the enslavement of humanity and the transcending of humanity through transhumanism, as the Huxleys themselves write in their books. The cleansing of the doors of perception is really just mass mind control. I'm not saying that everybody that's had a drug experience is mind control. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the overall strategy of this being let loose on the population not even through the 60s counterculture, but through big pharma. That is ultimately to control everyone. Corporate dominance, corporate mind control. And Huxley is ultimately serving that agenda. And that's what Brave New World is about. That's what Doors of Perception is ultimately talking about. It's about controlling you, controlling energy, controlling everything. Reducing population, remember the Georgia Guidestones, vastly reducing it down. Even Putin has been talking about the golden billion. Have you heard of this? Reducing the population down to first a billion, and then they want to get it down to 500 million, then they want to get it down to even smaller, you see. That is what all of this is about. It's in its one single agenda. And all of these people write about that single agenda in their books. And I cover that over on my channel. Head on over to the InfoWars store, support the tip of the spear when it comes to fighting this InfoWar. Go to the InfoWars store and support Alex by getting those products. And also go to my website and get my books in the shop right there. See that? You can go to the shop. And then we'll be covering Mel Gibson movies tonight on my channel. Come watch that tonight. Watch the American Journal weekday mornings, 8 to 11 central at band.video. Live from the InfoWars.com studios, it's Alex Jones. The silent majority is no longer silent. This is The War Room with Owen Schroyer. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. So Gen Z workers are not going to be faring too well in the workplace. And that doesn't spell good for us in the future. One thing I could recommend is I think we need to get some of these Gen Zers on TurboForce, which you can get at InfoWarsStore.com. Didn't see the plug coming, did you? But here it is, TurboForce from InfoWars Life. 25% off, it's back, it's reformulated, it's in a canister so you can scoop out as much as you need. You want a full scoop, you want a heaping scoop, you want half a scoop, you can get it all now. 
by just going to InfoWarsStore.com and ordering TurboForce. More strength, more power, more energy when you need it, and it's long-lasting. It's got vitamin C, it's got niacin, B6, taurine, beta-alanine, acetyl-L-carnitine, L-theanine, green leaf extract, coffee berry, guarna seed extract, herba mate, and Aleva ATP. Just some of the ingredients packed into TurboForce. It's in a powder form, it's in a canister, you saw the commercial earlier. People were fighting over the last little bag. They don't even know. We got it now in a canister. So go to InfoWarsStore.com and pick up your Turbo Force. I don't know what you're waiting for. And that's my really my only plug today. I feel bad. I forgot to do it all throughout because we had so much information going on in an amazing interview. But we got another amazing interview, InfoWarsStore.com, and support what we're doing. It's you out there that fuel the jet engines that keep this whole thing twirling about. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. 